We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to In The Know. Today we have a special guest helping us talk about the Chicago Bulls. It's Jason Pat of Clutch Points and Cash Considerations, an excellent Bulls podcast if you haven't listened to it. So today we're going to break down everything Bulls, so stay tuned for this show. Jason, I, I have to, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, I have to ask you, um, is, there, is there a cooler intro video than than our intro video that you just <laughs> happened to see? I mean, I was uh, bopping a little bit there, so that was uh, that was pretty good. I was not expecting that. That was really cool. <laughs> see, Mason, I'm not crazy here. <laughs> I'm not crazy. How, how you been, Jason? What's up with you? I know, um, you know, not all is fantastic in Bulls land, but how, how have you been? It's doing all right. The Bulls are all right. Uh, and I will we'll obviously talk plenty of Bulls Pelicans. The That outcome was not so good for me and my Bulls last week. We got another game coming up in a couple days here. Uh, a lot of just weirdness. I mean, and a big part, as you know, as you guys with the Pelicans know, uh, the Lonzo Ball injury front is going to be still out for another few months. Bulls are just basically trying to tread water uh, until he comes back. The schedule's been pretty tough. A lot of back-to-backs. Zach Levine's still working back from his knee stuff. Uh, so it's been it's been okay. They're six and eight, which is obviously not great. They can't win any close games, as we saw against the against the Pelicans in that game. But like they've been mostly competitive outside of a couple games, including last night's disaster against the Nuggets. But uh, so it's like it's okay, I guess you could say in Bulls land. <laughs> it's funny because uh, you know we were talking before this, and that's it feels like some team had to win that game because the Pelicans yeah. have had similar problems. They've lost three games in overtime already this year. So two teams that have struggled in the clutch, maybe for different reasons, maybe for the, uh, for similar reasons, but um, you know, we'll see if it comes down to that, but let, let's, let's talk and just get the Lonzo stuff. I think out of the way, I think it would be good to hear from, from you about, uh, you know, we heard some not great news at the start of the year. 
seems like maybe there's a little bit better, uh, you know, uh, expectations for when he might come back uh, this year. I mean, what's the what's the latest on what you've heard about Lonzo and the injury situation? Yeah, I mean, we haven't really heard much since the start of the year when he, he kind of had this surgery. And the Bulls, I guess, never really actually put out like, a, oh, yeah, he had the surgery and he's and he's great. I think Billy mentioned something at one point just about how, you know, they, they think they found out like what the deal was with this knee because what, I mean, just going back and he's been out since January. So we're almost at uh, almost like at a full year since he's been out and he underwent the initial meniscus thing. And then that was supposed to be what a month or two months never came back last year. He had this bone bruise, which kept bothering him, kept bothering over the summer. And they finally decided after all this time, they needed to go into the knife again. They claim that the claim is that it has addressed the issue has been addressed with this latest surgery, uh, and that he'll be back at some point. Well, when that is, who actually knows? I've been banking on sometime in 2023, at some point, hopefully that's January, February, somewhere around there would be great. It's just you never the way this whole thing has gone this entire time. We just there, you can't honestly like say at this point, just like if he comes back this year at all, I'll. That'll be great. Then obviously he saw us to work his way back into form. Um, it's just a really been unfortunate situation. I know, again, as Pelicans fans know, injuries have been a thing with him going back to the Lakers days as well. Uh, that he's had this is multiple surgeries he's had now with knee stuff. And it is really just a shame because I mean the Bulls were awesome when they had him last year. He was a great player, kind of as their glue guy, connects everything together on both ends of the court. Uh, so again, the Bulls are just trying to tread water. Hopefully he comes back the next couple months, and then you hope that it's almost like the inverse of last year where they started great with him, but then that he got hurt and everything kind of went to crap in the back half of the year, even though they still made the playoffs this year, tread water with him. And then hopefully he comes back and they go, they get stronger and end the season on a higher note and go into the playoffs. If they even make it again, uh, and that they, the season ends on a better note, but basically just crossing our fingers at this point, because it has just been really rough. <laughs> this, uh, just this whole Lonzo ball situation. The Pelicans, obviously, as you mentioned, have been in a similar situation, even with a meniscus injury with Zion and what was advertised as a fairly quickly return soon became a period of months thing. And it was, well, when's he coming back? What's his ramp up activity? There's a lot of questions surrounding uh, his initial meniscus injury, his rookie year. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing that it's not just these two players who've taken a while. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. also took a while coming back from his meniscus injury. And uh, I think in the past, a lot of players were able to come back quickly. And I think, so, yeah. you know, expectations have, have been different, but it sure seems like all of these are are unique to the player and, and don't necessarily always, the, the initial procedure may not always correct what needs to be corrected. And uh, do you anticipate if, and when he does come back, I think, you know, he, they move into the starting lineup, uh, of course, but the, the Bulls found a lot of success playing with a turbo lineup when they, they inserted Alex Caruso in that unit with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Do you think out the gate or whenever they found their footing, they use that as their starting lineup? Or is there still going to be a continued investment in Pat Williams um, as as sort of the the four who can defend multiple positions and and give you a little bit on offense? Yeah, I would guess that they're going to stick with Patrick Williams and they'd probably move Io DeSumo to the bench. I, would, I guess I don't if they might bring back Lonzo really slow and maybe they bring Lonzo back off the bench initially just because it's been such a unique situation, uh, as you kind of mentioned, just with the knee and with the bone bruise. And I think they claimed there was like nerve stuff going on there too. So like 
Maybe they bring Lonzo off the bench. I think ultimately they do probably want to go with Lonzo, Demar, Zach, Pat, and Nikola Vucevic as their starting lineup. Assuming Pat does keep taking some step forwards, his first like week or two this year was absolutely awful. He was doing nothing. The last couple of weeks, he has shown more progress, starting to play with a bit more force on both ends. Uh, he's starting to score in double digits more regularly, making more of an impact on the glass with defense, with making plays there. So he's been a bit better. So I think if he keeps on that track, they'll definitely want him to stay. But this was also just like Pat is one of the only like Bulls guys who's like six, six, seven, six, eight wing. They like don't have many wings at all. So he's like their one big forward they can use on other like four, big star forwards across the league. Uh, like I know Caruso is great defensively. Lonzo is too. But like you don't want, especially Lonzo coming back from injury, like you don't want him taking a pounding guarding like star players all the time. Uh, and having to deal with that like he did something he did that sometimes last year uh and he was really good at it but uh so i would guess like ultimately they will probably at hopefully when lonzo is back to normal lonzo zach demar pat vooch and uh, pat is such a swing factor on this bulls team and uh he has it's been nice to see him show some signs because like i said those first couple weeks he was doing absolutely nothing uh and it was it was not pretty well, so that I, I wanted to ask you because of those first few weeks, it's it's very early at the moment, but gun to your head, he's extension eligible this summer. Is that something you see getting done? And you know, I, I think the range is probably quite wide as to what that number could yeah. look like. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put you in the spot on that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. is that someone given given where they are uh, on their timeline, given the stars that they have, given the assets they have available, is that an extension they want done, or or do you think? it's more useful to try to build up his trade value and perhaps use him and maybe get off of, of, of Vucevic's contract at, at any of the picks that might free up later. I, I, I forget what your pick situation is like post the Orlando trade, but I know it's not fantastic, but no, I think you not. got some. <laughs> um, so Lord, you're curious Lord where market it might be available. Out. Yeah, that's right. Bring him back. <laughs> um, pick situation. Well, they gave away, two, they traded two in the Vooch trade. They traded one in the DeMar DeRozan trade, sign and trade. They did get one back in the Lowry Markkinen to Cleveland. They got the Portland pick, which is now looking probably going. I guess the Portland keeps this up. It's just lottery protected. So Portland right now is, I think, tied on top of the West. If they keep it up, the Bulls will have that pick this year. Uh, but they are out three. Uh, one of them, I think they get. I can't remember exactly what it is either, but they traded two for Vooch, one for DeMar. So like, it's not not the greatest pick situation. In terms of Patrick Williams and like, his future, like, I mean, he was the number four pick a couple years ago. He was the first draft pick of this new front office. I They are clearly invested in him. Based on all the rumors that were out there, like trade-wise, it seems like they did not really want to include him unless it was like, I mean, we, there was like the Jeremy Grant stuff. It seemed like that was never really a thing. Jeremy Grant's having a great year for the Blazers this year. Uh, Rudy Gobert, it seemed like they were hesitant to include that. You can say I mean, the Bulls never were going to match that with the Timberwolves traded. And right now, the Timberwolves uh, are not in a great spot to start the season after giving up all that. But uh, it, it seemed like I was not sure if Patrick Williams was ever really on the table in those Gobert trade talks. It seemed like it was hit or miss. Like, I feel like the front office is really invested in him. Would I actually see them signing him to an ex- extension this season? Again, I guess if he keeps on the track he's going and starts showing this improvement, I could see them trying to get something done. Uh, like th- this last year, we did not see a deal with Kobe White get done, which did not surprise me. His name has been coming up in trade rumors for the, for a while now. It's coming up again. Uh, but with Pat, I think they probably see a bit more of a future there just because of the potential he has as a six seven six eight two-way player. Kobe White's not a two-way player at all. Pat Hellies has that potential. He just has to start showing a lot more. He is showing some more. Just got to be consistent. He's got to do it when it really matters. So, like, if you 
like if you put me on the spot right now to do I think Patrick Williams is going to sign an extension this summer, I would probably no. But to hedge a lot, I think there is a lot of room for that answer to change across the rest of the season because he just has so much room to grow. Uh, and some of this also could depend on what happens with the team. Like the Bulls go belly up here as they wait for Lonzo to come back. I mean, they might just go in a totally different direction here. I mean, Vooch is it expiring. You mentioned him. Uh, I mean, do they start selling pieces? Like, I don't know if they would use Pat to try to get a better piece in. Uh, so there's just a lot of ways I think this can go right now. Yeah. I mean, just looking at that schedule, I mean, I, I don't expect the Bulls go belly up, but you guys got a tough slate, a huge road trip coming up. Uh, so it's New Orleans. You got a couple more home games. Something with the Pelicans. You guys, both the games this year against Pelicans, you had like three days or two days off, but on, on one end of it. So um, I think one of the questions I was going to ask is around, you know, do you expect anything different with the rotations? Uh, one game, game one, the game two. I'm still curious. So I'd like to get your perspective on, you know, if what you'd like to see done differently with the Bulls from game one to game two here. But it does seem like, at least from a injury management perspective, that's not really a consideration for the Bulls against the Pels because they've got, yeah. they've got a couple of days off here. Yeah, they, I would assume it'll be mostly the same. They ha- they have, I feel like Billy has started to try to play Goran Dragic more. I guess I am curious. The Bulls have been getting off to really slow starts. They got off to a slow start uh, last game. Uh, against the Nuggets, and they, I mean they got blown out in general. But like their starting lineup has not been good. Uh, I was looking at like their line, the lineup data for last night's game. Like the, the offense has been really bad. Again, I don't think they're going to bench Patrick Williams. And like Io's been pretty good, but like I'm curious, like if at any point Billy, if they keep starting slow, if they bench Io and like try Goran Dragic, which Dragic has been awesome off the bench. But then like I, that would change up the bench thing. It's like their bench unit has been awesome with like Dragic. With Drum with Drummond back now. Was Drummond back for that Pelicans game? I can't even remember. <laughs> I'm like totally blanking on that when he came back. Sure he was. was he it was he came back? I think that might have been the game he came back. Uh but with Drummond, Dragic, like Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, they've been playing Zach and Caruso off the bench. They've been playing Zach with some of these lineups. Like they have been great. So I'm curious if Billy would change that up. Uh to move because Dragic has been really good pushing pace, just trying to. Uh, so, if he would maybe consider Dragic as a starter, uh, which is hilarious because I bashed the Dragic signing, I thought it was like pointless. I thought he was washed. I was like, why are they bringing in another guard? But with Lonzo out, like, and Dragic off the bench, he's been great. So, if they keep starting slow, like, I don't know if that's going to happen for this game, but if they keep starting slow, I do wonder if Dragic at some point maybe gets maybe gets a starting nod. But it has seemed like Billy is starting to play him a bit more, playing him with close in closing lineups. Uh, a bit more. I think he actually did close against the Pelicans. I can't remember all these exact all the exact lineup. Twenty six minutes, I mean, have, he, but yeah, he played well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he's Billy has definitely been going to Dragic a bit more. So that could be something that we see just a bit more Dragic if he if he has it going. So, so here, here's a question for you. You know, you talked about how these lineups are starting off a little slowly, and yeah. when looking at, at the Bulls roster. Uh, at a surface level, you would assume while they have these scoring threats, they don't really have defensive players yet. They're 24th in the league at scoring Obviously. right now, <laughs> six defensively. How much of that is real on both ends? Do you think? Do you buy the defense as to where they're at? Do you think it uh, is sustainable? And not only that, you know, has room for improvement with the addition of Lonzo. And do you buy that the offense is going to? stay where it's at around 24th where they're struggling on a night to night basis. It's, it's it's really so funny how bad the offense. Oh, not funny. It's been depressing. The offense and the starting lineup offense. I think right now that the starting group has played like 60 or 70 minutes and it's like a 101 offensive rating. And that's with 
with Demar, Zach, and Vooch. Like these three, whatever your three best players, these three like are offense first players, and their offensive their starting lineup stinks offensively. Uh, yeah, and like and Pat has been and Pat's been better. Io's been has taken the leap forward. So it's like there's got there's definitely plenty of room for improvement. I mean, I was looking at some of the underlying stats. I mean, the three point shooting is a huge problem. They're 29. The team is 29th in three points attempts per games three-point attempts per game. They don't get offensive rebounds. They turn the ball over too much. That was a big problem. It's been a big problem in several games, just sloppy turnovers. Um, so, like, I don't know if the three-point stuff is going to change much. Uh, I mean, Lonzo missing Lonzo is such a huge factor in that because that's eight attempts a game at, like, 40% clip. And it's, that's huge. And Kobe White, like, who hasn't been good, but, like, that's one of your other volume three-point shooters has been out for a couple weeks now. Not sure when he's going to be back. I get, talking about the Wednesday against the Pelicans, I don't think Kobe's going to be ready and be back in that game. I know Kobe has had some games, at least one game against the Pelicans, where hit, I think it was he and Zach both hit eight threes. Like, it was, like, the first time in NBA history two teammates have hit three, eight three-pointers in a game. I do not think Kobe's going to be ready. It does not seem like he'll be back for Wednesday. So just the lack of three-point shooting is killing them. I mentioned the turnovers. It's been sloppy. So, like... And, and Zach has not been himself. He has not been as good. Like, he's had a few games here and there, but, like, with the knee thing, he's not been as explosive going to the basket. He's still shooting pretty well. Like, with his jumper, he's one of the best jump shooters in the NBA, but he's just not his quite explosive self. So him, him not being as good. DeMar has definitely taken a slight step back. He's had a few huge games. He had that Boston game where he almost put up 50. And, like, Vooch has been solid, but, like, he's just been kind of – he's been a little better than last year, but, like, not enough to really lift the starting lineup in the offense in general. So, so like – Zach not being as good, Tamar not being as all all second team all NBA, the lack of three point shooting, too many turnovers, offense rebounding. I think that will improve at some point, and obviously you hope Lonzo comes back and fix that helps fix that at some point. And then defensively, I mean, they had the bench has been elite defensively. That's been a huge part of it. Is like the deflections, Javante Caruso, Jones, just they're athletic. They get out. They wreak havoc on these guys. So that's been pretty good. And even the starting lineup defense has been decent as well, even despite some of those like supposed negatives. So like, do I think they're a top 10 defense? Do I think they'll finish the year with a top 10 defense? I guess I'd be pretty surprised there, but I think they're at least good enough where they can be all right on that end, maybe a top half of the league. They really just, the offense has been the problem. And it's been in the problem in close games. It's been the problem with starting games. Uh, so they they got to figure that out, and uh, they have some the issues with the shooting across the roster is going to be a big problem. They need their star player, their star guards to, I mean, I guess get back to all star level as well. That's completely fair. Yeah, I mean, look at the surface level, the sh- the shot profiles between the Pelicans and the Bulls are not too dissimilar. Uh, the Pelicans getting to the paint more. Uh, the Bulls are actually number one in the league in long mid range twos attempted, which <laughs> not ideal, but yeah. you know, Demar Zach yeah. capable sh- yeah. capable shot um, makers. But when you when you build your offense around that and you're you're 29th in the league in three point attempts, the Pelicans are 30th. Um, you, you you tend to have uneven nights when it comes to, to yeah. scoring. And and sometimes you can really run up against a math problem, and, and the Pelicans sort yep. of saw that when they played the Pacers, and the Pacers blew them out in terms of uh, shooting from deep. They made twenty two threes that game, and uh, Pelicans have had multiple games this season where they haven't even attempted twenty two threes. <laughs> so uh, it, you know it's it's yeah. it's a little bit interesting, but hey, that's that's kind of what you get when you when you have these players, the Pelicans having Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, who also like to operate in the mid range area, obviously paint king zion um is is really not going to be uh, a jump shooter so i'm curious to see when this matchup happens coming uh this wednesday if it's going to be 
a similar result where the game is is close for the most part and relies on just absolutely heroic shot making from the two like star shot makers yep. on, on the respective teams or you know if, if there's going to be an adjustment from the previous time where one team ends up taking control early and you know the pelicans will be coming off a of bat to back so it, it really is a good opportunity for the bulls to come in to smoothie king center and and uh if, if that's the game they choose to apply the pressure then uh, you know i think they have an opportunity to do something <laughs> pelicans were they were what three of 19 in the game and they won right in last one yeah. from three yeah, yeah. something crazy i thought i saw some crazy stat about it. it was like the fewest amount of threes made uh in like a win and something it was something weird like happened that. twice uh, last year that, that's yeah, what it was. that yeah. was yeah that, yeah that was it uh yeah so it was basically I mean, ingram and zion did like nothing for the first three quarters and then those two just started going to work in the fourth quarter and the bulls had their customary i think the bulls are now zero and six i think it is in in games that have been in crunch time whatever within five points with five minutes or less, they have played six of those games and they are 0-6 in them. And that's such a big change from last year when DeMar was the best, was a clutch god. He was the best clutch player in the NBA. Uh, and I think they had like the second or third like net rating or something like that in clutch in cl- uh, crunch minutes, tr- crunch time minutes. Exact opposite this year. And that's the difference between, I mean, you give them a couple of those wins instead of the losses. They're, let's say they're like 2-4 and four in those games and they're 8-6 and six and things look a lot better. They have not been able to execute in these close games. We saw that in the Pelicans game. We, uh, they hit the, DeMar dribbles the ball off his – or went off his leg, off his foot, and that one of those last possessions. Uh, I know he thought he got fouled on when Zion challenged his floater in, in the lane as well. I was – was probably – I know the Bulls broadcast was not happy with that and Bulls fans weren't happy with that. That was probably a, a, a toss-up call. Uh, uh, but, I mean, the Bulls – again, you can't put yourself in position after rely on that. Brandon Ingram was – just went into went into Demar mode. He went into God mode. Demar and the Bulls did not, and they weren't able to do it. And it's been a problem all season with these clutch games. They just have not found that magic like last year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, so I think the one thing I'm looking at is the last... that uh, Willie Green is in one of the criticisms I think we've had is, is he's been a little reactive uh, coaching this year. The Pelicans have more talent they've had in a while, but you know, you see him frequently kind of reacting to how opponents are playing. And, you know, he, he put in Billy Hernan Gomez against Drummond and Drummond had the best plus minus in the team at plus 11. And, and Billy was minus 14 in 12 minutes. And like, if you take that away, maybe the Pelicans don't even have, maybe this isn't a, a, a crunch yeah. time game, you know? And so I am curious, um, you know, especially given the back to back it, what, what happens. And I'm, you know, I, Schmidt, I mean, do you, what do, what do you what do you think Willie's going to do coming off a of back to back? Do you think he goes back to Billy minutes against Drummond, or do you think he learns so, from what happened? Was last that week? was that the game Nance missed? Did Nance yes. play that game? It was. He did not. So, it was. so that's fair. so. I think yep. I would I would suspect them to try to match the Drummond minutes with the Nance minutes, yeah. and yep. yeah, they have the contrasting styles of play where you try to space Drummond out a little bit. But the problem with those Nance units is they just give up so many rebounds and not that, you know, Drummond is uh, a guy that like raises the team's rebounding floor um, statistically, but he is a monster rebounder. One of the best rebounders in history, you could say. So um, particularly on the offensive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Particularly on the offensive glass. So that just, that, that gives me um, a little bit of anxiety to, to see how those match up. But I will say uh, Willie green, the adjustment that, he has made since that game and that game really kind of spurred a lot of talk from the Pels media and the Pels fans. It's like, okay, yeah, they won that game, but the process is absolutely terrible. Like your, your star players just not really getting touches or being focuses of the offense until it's the the fourth quarter. And you're relying on the heroics and one guy to carry you to the win that that's not sustainable. So the one adjustment they've gradually made since that game is I think Zion's touches are increasing and Zion himself has gotten better every single game. I think the last three or four games, he shot 80% from the floor collectively. He's back to being Zion, you know, his, his season's true shootings, like 61%. Again, he's at 56% from the floor. So he, there's no question this guy is better. And and they've started to introduce things like, Hey, maybe we move CJ off the ball a little bit. Have him set screen for Zion, start putting Zion in situations to play make at the top of the key. And if they do that, I think, there should be less of an offensive lull. And the other thing that they've done is uh, they've changed the rotation since the Bulls game. And and rotation allows for Jonas to play some of those early uh, second quarter minutes. And I think those will match up with the Drummond minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and not that they were doing in preparation for Drummond or anything. I just think it's a happy coincidence that it will. And and I think the, the, the chances of them, uh, the Bulls just grabbing all the rebounds go down significantly if Jonas is on the floor. Yeah, the uh, the Zion stuff was really weird uh, in that first game. I feel like they were getting him the ball like never. I know, like I thought Patrick Williams like did a pretty decent job on him to start, but uh, and I think Caruso. I think they might have had Caruso on him at times too, just kind of shutting it down. But like, I feel like there was like very they definitely little had Caruso effort. on him, and I was watching yeah. it and I was like, all right, 
dude, just get Zion the ball. Like, I, Cruz is a fantastic defender, but like, come on, let's just. It's like the video of that kid, to... the kid that was guarding Zion that went viral. That he actually yes. like met up with Zion again. Like that, that's that's right. what it was with Caruso. Up. Right. Yeah. It was yeah very strange. He had very few touches again. Ingram, I like, barely did anything as, at all either in that first couple quarters. I CJ had a no had a really rough game. I would not expect him to play that poorly. Again, that was I think had to be one of his worst games of the year. I know, I know he is his looking at his numbers. They have not been as good as, uh, but I mean that game was especially bad. Like like he was looked like he had he's been in the, on the Bulls in that game. Yeah, so I would be surprised if he was that bad again. But yeah, I mean getting the ball and it seems like the it seems like I've seen it following you guys following some other Pelicans writers. It does seem like it was getting Zion the ball and like having him play make be the point Zion thing was not happening enough early in the season. That but that is happening a bit more or at least getting gradually. into better spots gradually uh yeah it, was, it just seems like there have been uh, in that first bulls game especially they were just like not not enough zion touches definitely until the end and he started going right at patrick williams and whoever else was guarding him like right at the beginning of the fourth and then ingram finished the job yeah i i think that is kind of the blueprint for them is is you use zion's otherworldly talents and gravity to open up spots and make the game easier for income for CJ and all that instead of the other way around. And I, I, I hope that's a lesson that they've uh, slowly started ingraining, but you just never know. Like there's been so many games with the Pelicans this season. You'd be like, Oh, that thing worked. I think they, they got, they understood the lesson this time. And the next game, you, next thing you know, Devontae Graham is finishing out the fourth <laughs> quarter and they're playing three small guards. And you're like, guess not. <laughs> Yeah, I think one one matchup. And I'm curious, um, you know, Jason, what your what, what what you got your eye on specifically for this next game. But um, Jose Alvarado played 13 minutes in that game. I think um, there were some concerns about that, to put it lightly. Um, and then if you look at the other side, the backup point guard for the Bulls, uh, Dragic had you know played 26 minutes. He played great. For, had 14 points, six assists. I I, I feel like I'm going to be looking real closely at Jose's minutes first, and also you know, how, who he's matched up against. I feel like he'll see a lot of time against Goran. And, and so, and how he kind of reacts, I imagine he's not, you know, going to you know forget, not that Goran dropped those points on him because he didn't, he hardly played. Yeah. I, I'm hoping to see uh, Alvarado play a little bit more um, and, and, and really, you know, he, he, he's always, he's full intensity all the time he's out there, but anything, uh, anything you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense given how well Dragic has played with that bench unit, kind of running that bench unit because he's, kind of just been a guy who's been he, we know he loves to push pace he gets the bulls into their sets he loves throwing lobs he's been throwing tons of great lobs this season to whether it's Drummond, Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, the bulls have some guys who can really dunk and Goran has been hitting that. So if yeah, if you put Alvarado on him and kind of shut him down, that would definitely kind of choke off some of the Bulls bench stuff. You stop them in transition. The Bulls have been good in transition this season offensively even without Lonzo, which was actually kind of a surprise because Lonzo was such a big part of the transition game last season. Uh Dragic has played a huge role in that. So like if you cut him off, uh that definitely kind of really hurts hurt hurt the Bulls bench, just hurt the Bulls offense in general. Um and then besides that, uh, it's really, I mean, a lot of it just comes back. A lot of it does come back to Zach and DeMar just kind of going off. And then if, uh, if Pat can keep doing his thing. Um, and I, I guess the IO CJ McCollum matchup is really, is kind of a fun thing to watch. It was IO did do a pretty good, uh, CJ has been struggling. I thought IO did do a good job, but if CJ gets loose on IO, like that's certainly going to be a problem for the bulls. Um, like to see IO take advantage of his m- matchup as well. 
And then yeah, and then just if it, if we get down to another cr- a close game, if what just if the Bulls can execute down the stretch, and if Demar can be better, if Zach can be better, Zach has just been Zach has just been really. Like I said he's been fine. Like you look at his numbers, I think he's averaging like 21, 22 a game, but uh, he just like has not been consistently that explosive guy. Uh, like he said, like he had the one game against the Nets where he had like 20 in the fourth, just it was raining threes, but the Nets were like weren't even guarding him at all. It was awful. Uh, he's had some questionable decision making, has never really been his great strong suit. Uh, like yesterday, he had a lot of bad turnovers, some questionable shots, shot selection. So, like, if Zach can give a big game and whether. Sometimes when the Bulls go into like hero Demar mode, uh, things can go poorly for them. So if that can be spread out a bit better between Demar and Zach, kind of getting them back together, having good games together, and then whether the other guys step up as well, that's obviously just kind of going all across the entire lineup. But the Bulls just have been kind of weird. Have been kind of weird so far this year. They've been all right, uh, but just without with the injury stuff and some of the with the the starters being so bad and the bench being so good it's just been it's just been kind of funky watching them in a lot of these games because they they fall behind so much but then they never usually don't quit and they make these comebacks and they just can't finish so many of these games so two two of the players we really haven't touched on are the two big men uh Jonas Valanciunas and Nikola Vucevic in the previous matchup uh Jonas seemed to be having quite a good time against (laughs) yes (laughs) against Vucevic you know he had 21 points 13 rebounds only played he played under 30 minutes uh the Pelicans won the minutes um that he played so that that was something I know Mason and I were hoping that they utilized more of this coming matchup but just in general with with Vucevic um we're not going to belabor the whole Orlando trade and and the investment that was put into it uh but what what does it take for him to have a successful night like what what do the Bulls need to do to make sure he gets going and and what do good games look like for him at this point rather than because in Orlando he was the hub and he could put up 30 and 20 and do all sorts of things and and that role is just not there uh right now for the Bulls and um so what what do they need of him and, and what does a good night look for him I mean, you look at his numbers, and they still are pretty good. Pull him up here. I mean, still, I think it's like 16, 17 a game. Was he 16 and 12? He's, I mean, he's still a great rebounder. 16, 12, and 3. Uh, shooting 47% overall, 39% from 3. So, like, his three-point shooting coming up after, like, he was way down last season is good. Getting that back up into the mid to high 30s is great. Uh, that's nice to see. Um, I know like the Bulls broadcast just loves banging the drum on like they need to establish Vucevic in the post. They need to play in them in the post to a degree. I think that is kind of true because if you get him down low, like uh, and you, if you force guys to collapse and if you kicking out to open shooters, Vuce is a great passer. He's still one of the best passing centers in the NBA and three assists. He's always kind of been around there. So like uh, drawing double teams and stuff like that. Uh, like I said the Bulls broadcast Harps on it. The post game show they harp on it a lot. It's, I don't want to just bang the, the ball all the way down to Vucevic all the time. He's like, that's not good. That's going to be slow. That's not the most efficient. But like, there are times where getting him involved in the post is good, um, and getting him involved at what well, they use him a lot at the elbows in the middle of the court because he can shoot from the free throw line. He can pass around to shooters and stuff like that. So like, I mean, like Vuce has been like honestly far from any mo- the problem most of the season. Like I said, his, his numbers are pretty good. He's never he's not going to be that twenty five and twelve guy anymore. But like. What he's doing right now has been pretty good. He's shooting better. He still rebounds great. His defense has been fine. Uh, again, like the starting lineup's defensive rating is is really good, and I think he's been he's generally like a decent defender. I know again, Jonas kind of crushed him the other night, but like in terms of like pick and roll, it's not like he's getting like roasted all the time. He's usually usually in the right spots. Uh, he finishes possessions with his rebounds. So like 
I can't really complain too much about Vooch this year. I know he's, he's playing for a contract, and uh, I don't know if he's he's going to be – depending on what the Bulls do this year, they might look to change some things up go, going forward. But, like, Vooch was a huge punching bag last season because he started off so poorly, and he ended up having, like, an okay season. Uh, so far, really, there have been a couple dud games, but, like, for the most part, he's all right. So, like, hitting a, hitting a, a three or two per game, grabbing 12, 13 rebounds, three or four assists – if he can give you a 15 to 20, that's good and play at least passable defense. I'll accept it. It'd be nice if he does not get outplayed by Jonas again, like so much like he did last game. But I mean, Jonas is a really good player in his own right. So sometimes, sometimes it happens. Yeah. Um, I'm throwing out of the box question here. Um, I think we can probably wrap up pretty soon, but what's your Anthony Davis trade look like? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> 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 On cash considerations, me and me and uh, Ricky actually. Uh, my co-host Ricky O'Donnell did briefly talk about this on our episode last week. Okay. Oh God, what do we? I mean, we talked about like, would you do Zach? Like, I mean, I w- it wouldn't be straight up. It'd be Zach probably and a few other pieces for Davis. Like, would I do that? I don't know. I mean, would, <laughs> I think you've been that side eye at the exact same time. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I so would like, not trade Zach for Davis. Really? No. I think, I th- like, I think we all th- are all, th- and then we talked about like, oh, maybe you go like a younger package with like Pat Io. And like Vooch for like uh, whatever some salary filler, or I, guess, I mean I guess there's always Demar. I know Demar has been awesome, but like the Lakers and the Demar thing. I think ultimately like our any of these iterations of the trade, I think we were ultimately like we'd probably do most of them, but like not feel good about any of them. the Zach thing. I think it's just I mean beneath. I think there is some concern about if Zach's ever going to get back to like Zach like he was a couple of years ago when he was putting up like 27 a game, even yeah. last year. Like it's tough. It's, just, it's really tough. Because <laughs> AD is, AD is also got, he's hurt every other game. He's, we were, we basically were just like, you know, I wouldn't feel great about it. You know, like even as a Chicago guy that AD is, because he's always just kind of moping around. I know like yesterday he had 37 and 20 basically. And like when he actually like puts himself to it, like he has, he can still be have these great games and his numbers look great. But like, is he, is he really raising you that much more? at this point and he misses time and he's always leaving games falling all over himself on the court. I don't know. So it's like, we, I think ultimately with the, with where the bulls are at, they're just like in a spot where they might be kind of stuck. Maybe we'll see. Like, I want to give him more, the front office more time, but like, like does Anthony Davis raise your ceiling a bit more than Zach does at this point? Probably. But like, again, he wouldn't, feel, wouldn't feel great about it. I, look, the reason I wouldn't trade Zach is not because I think it's Zach's a better player than Davis. It's just, I just don't see a future that is fun or good where you're putting your <laughs> eggs in the basket on Anthony Davis and DeMar DeRozan. And 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 De- DeMar's been fantastic, but just relying on his heroics yeah. like year in, year out. And pairing, I mean, and Davis is a really good compliment, but again, yeah. you're running into those issues where you just don't have any three-point creation. And yeah. if one of those two guys goes down, you're just like, what do I do yeah. with this team? Yeah, and I mean, like, I, yeah, I was going to say the idea of like, if they were all healthy, like out exact... Like Lonzo and like AD together like would sounds like it could be really cool. They all have horrible injury problems, so it's like it just seems like like I said, any like kind of way you try to put this uh, put a trade together like that, like it just seems like eh, like I don't know about this. It seems like because like, I think he really would be a really good fit if you maintained your backcourt, and and that's the you know sort of exact type of not only scoring threat, but like defensive player that, yeah. that you need. And and you add Lonzo to that. You add Cruiser. Like, yeah, just imagine yeah. the turbo lineup, but 
the the center is, is Anthony Davis. Except, <laughs> except he doesn't like playing center, so maybe it would be Andrew yeah, Drummond close games with and that. AD you know, at the four. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Uh, Same draft class too. Derek yeah. yeah. Jones Jr. will play center for him. You know, <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> reminds me of when they had. You could bring back Meritage. His buddy played center for him when he was at the oh, yeah, that's, yeah, There you go. go. That's right. Bulls legend Nikola Meritage. Yeah. That, uh, that'd be funny, man. Like the uh, if if it was Drummond and AD, because we, we talked we talked about that very draft because the pick before, but Drummond was the pick before Austin Rivers, and so we're like, okay, Drummond and AD, that'd be wild if we can get that together, and just it came one pick short. And I don't know if that was ever would if that's something the Pelicans would have or the Hornets at the time would have jumped on, but <laughs> it'd be funny if they finally put that duo together in in Chicago. Well, well, the Lakers yeah. jumped on it, didn't they? Again, yeah. and, and they put it, that duo next to LeBron. They thought that was yeah. a good idea. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You would basically be re- recreating the twenty, I think twenty twenty one Lakers because that'd be Caruso, AD, and Drummond. Uh, it'd be, yeah. and that team lost to the Suns in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you know, Zach and, and Demar are better than LeBron, right? That, that's how it works. <laughs> totally. uh, man, look, uh, Jason, this has been a good time. Uh, before before we leave, can you tell us where our fans can find you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bulls underscore J uh, for, now. for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For now. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not on like, Twitter. I said, I'm not on like Mastodon or anything like that yet. Maybe I'll look into it at some point, but I'm, I'm holding on, holding on for dear life here on the old, on the old Twitter at bulls underscore J. Uh, and then cash considerations, all a blue wire podcast with my co-host Ricky O'Donnell. Um, and then also managing editor over at clutch points uh and i think that's basically it now so yeah that's everything respect well thank you folks for listening if you don't know we have a wonderful sponsor that you can see on our screen they're called DraftKings. and if you want to bet on the nba DraftKings is offering you an awesome deal where you put five dollars on any pre-game money line uh for an nba team to win a game you get 150 dollars in free bets so Download the app right now. That's DraftKings Sportsbook and use the promo code BOOT as seen on your screen, B-O-O-T. Place that $5 bet and get $150 in free bets. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis and counseling, uh, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.